0: blog talk radio hello blog talk radio i am dr veronica and this is wellness for the real world with dr veronica i'm so excited today because i want you all to know I've been doing webcasting, but this is my first show on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm just so very excited to do that. Some of you might know that I've been doing this. I've been doing a little TV. In my last life, I was a, I am still a traditional MD, a medical doctor, an eye surgeon, but I decided that, you know what, so much for the eye surgery, I wanted to give it up because I want to help people really be well. I got tired of sickness and disease, and I realized from my patients that they didn't know how to be well. So I also realized that people need to understand the other side of their life, not just their body, but they need to understand what's going on in their mind and spirit. And so on Wellness for the Real World, we are going to have all kinds of guests on. Some of it may seem like it doesn't relate to health and wellness, but I am Dr. Veronica, and I will always tell you back how it relates to health and wellness. Now, I like to follow politics, I like to follow pop culture, I like to follow regular traditional medicine, I like to follow Eastern medicine, I'm all over the place, which is why I'm going to be your great resource, and I'm going to have all kinds of guests on my show, including other Blog Talk Radio hosts, because I see so many great shows here, I want you to be able to get as much information as possible to stay healthy and well. So I'm going to start with my guest for today. Um, I have on a gentleman who you want to read his book because he's a best-selling author, first of all. I am very impressed. This man has been selling this book for 10 years. He has another book out that has become quite popular and very comical, and he's writing another one that's going to come out next year. I have one with me, Byron Williams. Byron Williams... Is known as the former bodyguard of hip hop artist Eminem. And his book, Shady Business, has been a bestseller for 10 years. It's one of the top 30 books on Amazon. And he is the authority on Eminem. Why? Because he lived his life with Eminem a lot. This man, you've got to see this man. I mean, you know, he, I know he's married and everything, but he really is a hottie. He is, okay. He's 6'8", he's 295 pounds, and when he sent me his pictures, I was like, oh, my God, God, can you send me one of those? Okay. So, but, <laughs> but Byron has been on Wellness for the Real World before when I was on another um, webcast and has always been such a great guest. I just decided that I wanted to have him on again to start with me because... We did on my last show what we called the Viagra monologues, and we were talking about men and sexuality. Well, we're going to do a little bit of talking about that today, but we're going to talk about Eminem. We're going to talk about the marriage of Eminem. We're going to talk about relationships because Byron is also a relationship blogger. He became the confidant of lots of different people on relationships, gives very good advice. He has a book called Romanizer, The Uncomfortable Truth About Men and Marriage. And if you read this book, it's absolutely hilarious. A lot of it's true. Um, And so I want to introduce to you Byron Williams. Byron, thank you for being on my show.
1: Thank you for the compliments, Dr. V. And by the way, uh, I'm doing the cloning of myself, so I'll have your copy next week. Don't worry about it. I got you covered.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, can you send it overnight express?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I got you.
2: I got you. (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh wow, I, Mrs. Williams is a lucky woman. I must say that.
1: <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, she is. <laughs> but
0: I want to. I want to first. I, I want to ask you a few things. We all want to know. You were in the inner circle of Eminem.
1: That's correct. That's what correct. What was?
0: Tell me if you had to say anything. What was the biggest thing that you learned about relationships? From watching Eminem,
1: uh, loyalty and the break of loyalty. Uh, loyalty that I've learned in the entertainment industry is really hypocritical. Uh, people are only loyal to people are only loyal to their money, and but they want you to be loyal to them at all times. And I'm not just talking about as far as in regards to Eminem. I'm just talking about in the entertainment industry as well. And we don't get that loyalty. Two ways, it becomes very stressful, which can be damaging to your health.
0: So now I know that when you were with Eminem, you became the person, the go to guy that he would ask about his relationship with his before wife and, you know, the person that became his wife. What did you give us a little bit? I know, you know, what the interesting thing, you talk about loyalty, and one thing that everyone says about your book is that you told it without really trashing people. So tell right. us, without trashing people, because I love that. I love when somebody can say something about people, because I'm trying to learn to not be a Mack truck and, you know, say things that may not yeah. be so positive without running people over. I run people over all the time. I don't quite mean to do it, but I do it. Um Tell us, what did you see on the inside of the relationship,
1: Eminem and Kim?
0: Was this the love of their lives?
1: Well, I found that um, biting your tongue can be an art form. And then with me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an art form. And with me being on the road, I was the only married guy on the road. So I was really the only guy that they could go to for uh, family advice because you got to understand, all those guys that I was on the road with, I was the oldest guy on the road, even at 29 years old. Those guys were like 22, 23. Uh, and I was amongst white guys and Jewish guys who didn't have a father, who didn't have a father in their life. So not only was I a role model, I was also like a father figure. So when they came to me and asked me for advice, it was something I had already been through. Uh, I can remember when M was uh, considering, Eminem was considering marrying Kim. And the first thing that I told him. I said, dude, if you're going to marry this girl because you feel like you owe her something, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. But if you love her and you want to be with her the rest of your life, then you should marry her. But if you're not ready, man, it's going to show up later because whatever problems that you're having right now, it's only going to magnify a 100 times when you get married. And that's what eventually happened.
0: Interesting. And, you know, I like that because you're telling that to Eminem, but I think everybody else needs to understand that, too. What you get before you get married is what you're going to have after you get married. Remember before you get married that everybody's on their good behavior. Everybody's on their good behavior. You're meeting Um, the
1: representative. You're you're not meeting meeting the real person. You're meeting the representative of that person.
0: Yes. Now, I want to just talk a little bit about um, some of the things. I mean, I was reading excerpts from your book, Womanizer, and you talk about, you you were just brutally honest about men and marriage. And one of the things you said is, you know, when men, you know, they get into the marriage, they let their guard down, and they become human bobbleheads. Yeah. What do you mean by that?
1: A lot of guys, instead of, standing firm on their ground and having a need to be right, they want to be happy. So it becomes a choice with do I want to be happy or do I want to be right. And nine times out of ten, you can't be happy if you have a need to be right. So therefore you end up just saying yes, 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 dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, even though she's in the wrong, just to keep peace in the household. Because women will go on these strikes you go on a strike in the bedroom, in the kitchen, in the laundry room, and have you walk around looking like a homeless man because you feel a need to be right. Sometimes you got to let some things go, but as a man, you have to stand your ground. And I think the biggest thing that men do wrong is they don't demand their worth, and women demand their worth 24-7.
0: Well, I I just want to invite the audience. If you want to call in and ask questions of Byron Williams, former bodyguard of Eminem and best-selling author of Shady Business, his new book, Womanizer, he also has a book coming out, Art of Success, you can call in toll-free, 877-784-3041. I also encourage you to join our chat room. I see several people in the chat room so nice to have you. I feel so good. I'm on my first show, and I already have fans. Um, let's That's go great. on. Let me just ask a few more questions about Eminem. You talk in your book about drug binges and sexual romps with underage girls. Right. Was that frequent? Was that an everyday type thing?
1: Well, you know, the thing with the uh, the underage girl that Eminem encountered, uh, the, the entire group got we were duped, okay? Uh, this was over in, over in Germany, and one of my jobs was to check ID of any young lady or any young person trying to come backstage, you know. They had to be more than 18. They had to be at least 21 because of the drinking laws. And I always tried to enforce whatever the American law was, we tried to enforce it over in the U.K. or overseas. Because you got to understand, in certain countries, the women can be, 15, 18, or whatever, and that's consensual, you know, consensual consent. My thing was, dude, I'm not going to jail for nobody. So if the young lady's not 21 with proper ID, she's not getting backstage. But this particular young lady looked like she was about 22, 23, nice-looking young lady, built like a brick house, had all forms of ID, college ID, personal ID, like three forms of ID that said she was 21. So what do you do? You're from another country? You let her in. He passed the ID test. Lo and behold, that night, her and M hook up. One thing led to another. The way we found out that the girl was underage, her girlfriend called her mom and told her mom. And M fell in love with this girl within a matter of hours and was going to take this girl on tour, the rest of the European tour with us. <laughs>
0: well,
3: so,
1: and well, I'm telling him, I'm hey, saying, hey, I'm this, thinking this, that's not a I good gotta idea.
0: Back. Oh, I got to sure. back up because you say. He fell in love with her in a matter of hours. Well, yeah.
2: okay, you know well, what I mean. If it's yeah. a matter of
0: hours, that's not love. That's lust. Nah, the sex nah, was but good. You know what? <laughs> he <laughs> wanted more good sex. Let's just be honest about that, well, folks. I want to tell you
1: something. You know, some people are different. You got to understand. Some of these celebrities, there's there's a meaning to that word "overnight sensation," and it's not just talking about you know getting a big hit quick. If they find somebody that they feel like they click with, rather than Inebriated or intoxicated or not, they want to they want to hook up with that band aid and stay with that person until themselves and that person is out of sync, and that's what happens with a lot of these artists. And he felt a connection with her, which I don't understand. You know, of course it was sexually, but he felt more of a, a f- emotional connection with her so much that he wanted to take her on tour. And we were in a process. This girl was in the, in a limo, limousine with us going to the airport, and I'm telling him, like, dude, this is not a good idea. This is not a good idea, man. You know, because the girl's mother had called the tour manager, had somehow got in contact with the tour manager. The tour manager was on the phone with the police and the embassy, and they basically told us, look, you guys get on that plane. That girl is underage. Everybody is going to jail. I told that limo driver, you stop this car right now. That girl got to get out. I'm not going to jail for nobody.
2: In so some back
1: country... Were-
0: like you were the father of like Eminem yes. and everybody else that was going on yes. when you were
1: on the tour. I had to because keep in mind these guys never had father figures, so they didn't know what an iron fist was ruled like or they didn't know you know, I wouldn't I can't say that they didn't know the difference between between right and wrong, but they just didn't use good common sense. Yes. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Well I, I was reading a piece out of one of Eminem's book and he said, Hip hop became my girl, my confidant, my best homie would you say that Eminem really wasn't devoted to any person but was devoted to his music more than anything else?
1: He was devoted to his daughter. He was devoted to his daughter, and the music helped him to to build a bond relationship with his daughter. And I tell people, Eminem is in a, is in a very unique situation. His mother and him didn't have a great relationship, okay, but somehow he managed to grow up and get married to a woman who was just like his mother, which is Kim, you know, in all actuality, he ended up marrying his mom, oh that's so, so what cool. he yeah and <laughs> it's, it's crazy, it's crazy because Eminem's mom and Kim have so much in common Wow. But what he's trying to do like he's, he's trying to he, he's trying to kill that generational curse, so his daughter doesn't take on the life form of the mother and her and that girl's grandmother,
0: wow. So now, yeah. did did did, uh, did Eminem's
1: wife and mother like each other? You know what? It's kind of hard to say. You know, there was a big cultural difference, and I'm going to put this out here. You know, me being a brother from uh, a two-parent home, you know, I kind of grew up like the Huxtables. And Em grew up like white trash, basically. And he he said it all the time, you know. He he said he's white trash, and that's pretty much how he grew up. So a lot of things that they did, I didn't quite understand. It was almost equivalent to some of the ways that people grow up in the hood. You know, some people say it's ghetto, some people say it's country. So it was kind of hard to tell if that's the way they really hate each other. Or that's just the way they acted. They were just always at odds. But the funny part about it, which people don't know, Kim and M were really. Uh, Foster brothers and sisters Adopted brothers and sisters Wow Yeah, yeah Kim's uh, I mean, I'm sorry Eminem's mom Adopted Kim Adopted Kim When she was like homeless And At the age of like 13, 14 And they were all staying in the house And she happened to come home one day And lo and behold You see what happens They end up They were making out So that was the beginning of the relationship Okay So now
0: Tell me Tell me just something else. Um you when what years were you the bodyguard of Eminem?
1: March of ninety nine to December thirtieth of nineteen ninety nine. I worked with him for nine months, but keep in mind that was the longest nine months of my life. You're talking about nine what? months, twenty four <laughs> hours a day, you know, with somebody who is has so many different personalities. I was basically doing security for three people in one, Marshall Mathers, which is, you know, the good father, Eminem, which is the uh, the artist, the person that's in the studio, and then Slim Shady, which is the one that will fall out with him, get into catch cases, and it was just like I was dealing with somebody with three different personalities, and it was it was very unique to see him switch in and out of these different characters at one time.
0: So you're saying that he really did have different
1: personalities depending on where he was. You know what? I'm not a psychiatrist, but you can see the change. The change can happen I'm telling you several times within an hour. That's how close <laughs> him and I uh became, you know, because we were together all the time, you know, you know, when he's in the studio, I'm there. He got to go to do a concert, I'm there. I was pretty much there when nobody else was there, you know, when the, the the managers are back at home in New York and Dr. Dre, you know, you barely see him unless they have to record. So I was there 24-7, 24-7. It was almost so, like so a babysitter.
0: Well the life of – I always look at people who are um, superstars and, you know, people envy them. They want to have the fame. They want to have the fortune. But it also seems like you're ineffable and you're very lonely, is is that oh, yeah. the case? Was Eminem like a lonely person?
1: Yes, he was. And his biggest fear, his biggest fear was to become as big as Michael Jackson. And he's there now. He always feared that he would never be able to leave his house. He always feared that when he's with his daughter, people are going to come up and ask for autographs. And people do that because fans feel like, hey, I bought your CD I bought your T-shirts, I went to your concerts, you owe me this, give me an autograph, give me a picture, give it to me now. And I'm going to call my cousin on the phone, and you're going to say, hey, this is Eminem, while I'm on the phone with my cousin. People just, they don't care. They figure if they buy that CD, you owe them. So that that causes these artists, and that causes Eminem to go on the shell. So you see these people pushing the cameras away from the paparazzi, Uh, they're being mean, they're being rude because they now have no privacy. But they have all this money. They got what they wanted, but they want to still remain anonymous in society. They want to have their privacy.
0: Yeah. Now tell me, um, really, you know, we're always curious about these type of things. You are a giant guy, bodyguard size, and you've told me in the past you're really, you know, security, and you carry the weapons of people who do security. Right. Did you ever get in, in, in any dangerous situations when you were guarding Eminem?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I had to go up against, I had to go up against Death Row several times. Um, oh man, that that was one of the craziest things. Without giving away too much of the book, wow. this is like the biggest part of the book.
0: Like stuff we saw on TV and in the newspaper. Uh, you got to tell us a little nugget of something. I'm gonna
1: give you a little bit because this is like the biggest part of the book. But the thing is, long story short, when Dre signed Eminem, uh, Suge Knight with Death Row was actually his label was was deteriorating. It was going down. Dre was starting over. Dre got hold of this white boy, became this big-time rapper. So now he surpassed any amount of sales that Suge Knight and Death Row was doing. So, like, a mafia-type of situation, they wanted him. So they You're came at us hard.
0: Shul- wait, wait, wait. Suge thinking- Knight, they wanted Eminem to sign oh, him yeah. or they yeah. wanted to get rid of him?
1: No 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 no. They wanted they wanted him to sign. They wanted him to sign with Death Row. You can't get rid of a guy you get rid of him then you, you lose money. So now you, you tell him come over here. This is where you need to be. So they basically tried to stronghold him. Strong arm him. And um I mean they would come to the studio. I mean it got so bad where we were sitting in the studio. I had to hire I had to hire off-duty LAPD officers. And I told them, I said, look, I don't want any black guys as if for, once, for once in my life, I'm not hiring no brother. I don't. I'm, I'm keeping brothers unemployed. Give me some white dudes. Why? <laughs> because we we in L. A. Gang bangers. I want to make sure that these guys are not affiliated with Sugar with Dre. You know, if you get you get some older white guys. You know there is no connection. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to be getting set up from the inside. of none of that. So I hired all white dudes. And I'm, t- I'm talking about dudes to the far level. I said, give me some dudes that almost can't stand brothers, but that's, that can listen to my command. So these guys <laughs> come in here. Oh, you got the red text. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and tell them, you know what, today we're going we to welcome the Confederate flag. <laughs> they can come in as long as they can listen to my command. And these dudes come in the studio there's nothing to talk about, and that's what ended up happening. You know, we were in the studio, guns out. My my order was nobody holster their guns. I want guns out at all time. If you got your gun in your holster and you go to pull it out, it's too late because you you're in the middle of gang banging land. You know, wow. Bloods and okay. Crips and all of that other stuff. So I would literally sit at the studio door with your gun out, with, with the gun out on my lap, drinking my coffee, holding conversation. So people see that and say, man, what is wrong with my man? Say, Look, dude, I'm from Detroit. I don't know who knows who, but at the end of the day, I'm going home in one piece. We're not playing with y'all. So the word wow. spread, so now they realize they couldn't come in there like that.
0: Wow. Well, you know, yep. I want to switch gears a little bit because – um, this was an interesting time of your life, obviously, impacted you quite a bit. But you decided that you didn't want to do that and you wanted to leave. And you now have become a best-selling author. You've written other books. That's correct. You've that's also great. become an actor, too. And I read that you're, yes. you're acting in Detroit 187. And you're in yes. a movie that's coming out, Harold and Kumar.
1: Yeah, Harold and Kumar and uh, Hostel 3 and Harold uh, and Kumar 3. Basically, in those two movies, I'm, uh, I'm a stand-in actor. So, you know, I worked directly with the directors and the main actors. So, you know, that's that's been a lot of fun. Uh,
2: So
0: tell me, though, when did you decide? You know, a lot of us are looking at career changes. I've just made a career change. A lot of people want to do stuff like that. What was it? What was your, excuse me if you don't believe this, but what was your come-to-Jesus moment? What was the thing that made you say, I got to get out of this Eminem stuff and I want to do something else?
1: uh, Germany. Germany. We were in Germany and... uh, I made a decision. In fact, a lot of people don't know this, uh, Proof, which was Eminem's hype man. Uh, Proof and I were supposed we had we had made a pact to leave the same time when we went back to the States, which would have been that following week. And this was the week before Christmas. And uh, I told Proof, I said, man, hey, I had enough. I said, I'm going back. I said, with all this stuff that's going on, uh, there was a situation that jumped off in Germany, uh, with one of the ladies that he um, had hooked up with – it was just—it was a very disrespectful situation, and then there was a thing where one of the um, managers had tried to lie on one of the other guys, and then they were trying to—you know—people were trying to put dope in our bags when so we travel. I said, man, I said "Oh Al, wow. I said, you know well, what? I said, man, because what's going to happen? I'm gonna hurt somebody. I'm not being nobody's fall guy." It got to a point when I when I had to start shipping my bags from New York to L.A. three days ahead of time. So to make sure nobody slipped any dope or guns in my bag, that's when I knew it was time to leave. And I told him, said man, uh uh-uh. uh, because guys came to me and said, Hey, look, we need you to get this to so and so when you get to LA. And you know, you got this big ziploc bag of ecstasy and shroom. Like it's like you taking them peppermints or something. I'm like, man, I'm in the physical department, not the pharmaceutical. I don't do that. So when I seen that, so, you know, that's enough. That's enough. You see on the news all the time how bodyguards are always taking a fall for this gun, for this dope, for this drug, for that rape charge. No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you tell stories. I see people in the chat room. If you want to call in, 877-784-3041. And you're mentioning names. Um, you're talking about people like Proof. And right. I read this in Eminem's book, and people are asking me about – you know, there's people saying – Ask him about this, ask him about that. Yeah, and sure, what
1: you want to know? What do you want to know? Anything you guys want to know? let
0: me just, you know, I'm going to ask you, and um, audience <laughs> understand if he decides that he wants to decline some of these answers, I'm going to let him decline because I want him to stay alive and I don't want him to get into any of this stuff. But, but you know what, I, I <laughs> write again saying, ask him, does he know where Saranda is?
1: Do you know who oh, uh, is? Oh, proof why. Proof why. Oh, you know what? Last I heard... Uh, she she still has family here in Michigan. Um, far as like well, let giving me, up location, it's somebody I'm,
0: out there who is the father of one of her children who's looking for her. Oh no, nah, he I can't help. He I has, can't
1: help you, bro. One well, thing I, <laughs> I, think I think he, can tell you is start in net. Detroit because he, he has a lot of he has she has a lot of family here in Detroit. He got to go back to the roots on that because from, from what I've heard. You know, she was she was in Detroit, and then you know they were living in Jersey for a minute. And from what I understand, they were back and forth from from Michigan to Jersey. That's pretty okay. much all I can give them. Okay,
0: you know? well, you know, I appreciate that because I understand a father looking for his child, so I just right. wanted to ask that question. But guess what? We're going to switch gears because I want to talk about the fun stuff now. I just wanted to hear a little right. bit about Eminem and what it was like. Being behind the scenes with Eminem And was it really dangerous Is it like we see in the movies Because you know yeah I'm a suburban girl too I don't see this type of stuff And I don't plan to see it at all either But let's talk a little bit about We're going to go into the wellness atmosphere This is Dr. Veronica I love pop culture I like to hear about this stuff But my mission is to teach people about health and wellness And so therefore I want to talk about relationships And I want to talk about things that you say about being a husband. And you say, are you a husband or are you a hostage? Are you a good wife or are you a great pretender? What do you mean by that?
2: Oh, the
1: writing is on the wall. You know, people pretty much know some women will be in a marriage for the sake of the kids, uh, for the sake of image, uh, for the sake of sacrifice, for the sake of the money. Uh, or the sake of not being lonely. And and a lot of times those women are just great pretenders. You know, same thing with a guy, being a hostage. You know, he's stuck there because he don't want to give up half. (laughs) If he has a lot of money, you don't want to give up his 401K. Or he just might be in a situation where it's just like, man, you know, this woman doesn't respect me, you know, but I like being married, but she doesn't like being married. It becomes what it is. You know, you're stuck somewhere that you don't want to be. But you have the option to change that. Either you can get it fixed or you walk, and that's what I mean by being a husband or a hostage. And and believe it or not, people go from different time spans in their life where they're a good husband, or they're you know, and then there's some time they're a hostage, or you know, the woman can be a great pretender, or she can be a good wife. It all depends. It all depends. Husbands out there feel feel more like hostages than husbands. You, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. I, you'd be I, amazed. I also, too, love it. I lo- a lot of guys want to be married. That are Guys that are married, a lot of guys that are married, they want to be married. But the problem comes in is when they start losing their respect. When, when they, the wife doesn't respect them anymore because he might have lost his job. And understand, ladies, when that man loses his job, that is not his fault. That's not his fault. And it's easier for a woman to lose her job or to quit her job or to resign or take a leave and stay at home and... The husband doesn't have a problem with it. You know, he'll pick up the slack. But you let a man get in that situation, nine times out of ten, it's going to be a problem within 90 days. Yes. well, you know, It's I going to be a problem some, within 90 days.
0: I have some questions coming in, and I'm going to put on the line. Sure. Uh, I'm going to take a call from uh, Joshua. Joshua? Hello. Hi, Joshua. How are you? Welcome to Wellness for the Real World with Dr. Veronica. What do you want to ask Byron Williams?
2: I want to ask Byron as a relationship expert, uh, Has he found any situation where you know uh, someone has come to them and he's and, and they're they're not in an actual relationship, but they're committed to a person. Uh, are those type of relationships possible, and what does he think about uh, in terms of you know being committed to someone but not actually labeling it a relationship?
1: Ah, okay. Let's cut to the chase. You're talking about a sex I, I partner, man. To too. I want to you hear the answer. You're this talking too. about a sex partner? You know what? And it is what it no, is. No, no, no.
2: Not, not even a sex partner. Just someone who you treat exclusively, but you're not really, you don't label it an actual relationship.
1: Okay. You know what? I'm not trying to be funny, Joshua.
2: And I like the title <laughs> you put on it. That's a
1: beautiful twist to it. You know, an exclusive person. Some people call it exclusive. Mm-hmm. Some people call it a bed buddy. Uh, but the only thing about that, you got to understand what I found. When, when, I, when I was out there dating, I was the same way. My thing was like this. Okay, look, ladies, I'm not going to be your man. I'm not going to hold you up. If you want to go out here and date somebody else, feel free. But when you and I together, we spend our time, I'm going to respect you. You're going to respect me. We go out to dinner. And that's it. I'm telling you up front, I don't want to be your man. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. you can tell this person that, and then they can can adhere to it for a minute, but if if they're enjoying themselves, then all of a sudden they might start falling in love. I think the best way to do it, if you lay the ground rules first, you lay the Mm -hmm. ground rules first, and then hopefully everybody agrees in the beginning, just because you agree in the beginning, that don't mean it's going to stay that way. But unfortunately, in this day and age, excuse me, it's a lot of the guys now that are catching feelings, and the women don't want the exclusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So i know it's
0: i, I- I'm sorry, because i i think it's interesting because Whenever you start being in a quote-unquote relationship with someone, and, you know, I have a situation where I'm in a relationship and it has no definition to it. And the longer you deal with the person, though, and, I mean, men and women, this is not just something exclusive to women that they start feeling. You become more and more friends with them. And so, you know, they have this thing, you know, yes, there's the bed buddy. You sleep with them, but you're not really developing a relationship outside of the bedroom. But then you have people that you are really, truly friends with, And you have an intimate relationship, but you have no definition to the relationship. And, I mean, I think that that's this this ground that a lot of people are going into now that's very difficult because you don't know – what can I expect? What does the other person expect? What am I feeling? What is the other feeling? I know they said not to expect something. I said not to expect nothing, but yet I feel this way about the person. And, I mean, I think that all what has happened now is a lot of us want to have our cake and eat it, too. And right. the problem with that is it's, there's a lot of bad feelings.
1: Somebody's um, going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt uh, in the end.
0: People people always get hurt in the end. That's just, you yeah. know, if you, you haven't been alive and in a relationship, right. they are not hurt at one time or the other. <laughs> right. I just, you know, that's just the way I see it and feel about it. You're going to be hurt. But I think that we're getting into everybody, not just men, but women, too. They want to have their cake and eat it, too. And I think that, you know, why Why is it becoming more and more like that? Is that because, um, every, you know, everybody wants to keep their options open so much? But, I mean, it's just it, to me it's just kind of strange that nobody wants to have any kind of commitment, but. They start treating each other exclusively,
1: right, well, you know it's like what I call microwave love, you know it's like <laughs> you get you get what you want, you get what you want on the fly, I mean because everybody's been in the committed relationship it just seems it seems easier right now it, love and relationships is changing just like the digital format of our life, you know. Remember one time people had vinyl, they had tape decks, now they got CD, now it's MP3. People used to date or they used to kick it, now they're dating. Now it's just like, you know, friends with benefits. You know, everything changes with time, and you got to be able to adjust to a relationship on the go, and that's basically what it is. You know, it's like you want your relationship pre-ordered. This is what I want, this is what I don't want. If you're cool with that, then that's the road with If not, that's not going to work for you, you got to bounce. But like I always tell people at the end of the day, if you're not married, it don't matter. I think people take it way too serious.
0: You're, you're right. You're right. Um, it, it, I think that you're either married or you're not married, really. Um, when people talk about cheating or whether you're married or you're not married. If somebody wants exclusivity, you need to put it in a relationship under a marriage that everybody's clear about what it is. But guess what? If anybody's ever heard any of my other shows, you know there's something called polyamory. So even marriage, it does not mean that the relationship right. is exclusive. So exactly. there are all kinds of ways that people live their life. Now, in your book, you talk about the secrets that men keep. What are some of the secrets that men keep? Tell us, ladies, what we need to know.
1: Well, I'll tell you a few. you got to get the rest of them out of the book. Uh, let's see. For <laughs> example, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things, uh, like I was talking about earlier, are our, our worth, our worth. Men don't demand their worth. And also, too, one of the, the, the other big thing is that, fellas, don't get mad at me for saying this, but I'm going to say this. We get picked on as men by women for being insecure or sensitive, and believe it or not, believe it or not, we have feelings, too. We have feelings, too. But the problem is if we go to express our feelings to you guys, y'all look at that as a matter of weakness. Not all women, some women. And then there are times when a man is is going through some things, you know, he wants to have his ego stroke. And, you know, and
0: oh, he wants to be
1: he wants to be held too. You know, he wants to be held a, too, but he's not going to tell of, you that.
0: That's you know, part be, of the DNA of men that they want to Every man that I know, whether they're my friends or not, they seem like they're more sensitive than the women. They want to, men want to have their... But why emotions? does it
1: have to be a competition about how sensitive a person no, no, is? No, I'm I mean, not you saying know, that I that think that society is. has men all twisted because, you know, if you think back to the old school nursery rhymes, you know, women, sugar and spice and everything nice, boys, uh, puppies and snails and doggy tails and all of that other stuff, everything that we're related to is, come, is close to a butt. Everything that we're related to <laughs> is dirty, is grimy. I mean, people need to take the stigma off of the fact that it's okay for a man to be in touch with his emotion. But my thing is you can't be crying at the drop of a dime, you know, all the time in front of her. I mean, you know, funerals and stuff like that, that's susceptible. But if you laid on the bill, you know, you can't, you can't be breaking down like that. If you've got to cry, don't cry. I tell God, if you have to cry, try not to cry in front of your lady. Because somewhere, some somewhere down the road, it's gonna come back up to you or to to her girl. Girl, you know his big old butt was crying. You know, I can not believe that. I didn't think he had tear ducts.
0: So I wanna, you know, men crying is a hot topic. Um, right. I just I'm trying to think about how I feel about it. I, I can see a tear maybe, but I, I I'm I like guys who can feel right. But you can't be breaking down You better be tougher than me Right (laughs) This is true Women You know What what I have found um, About touchy-feely men Is Let me just say And you know A lot of people can call And yell at me Is a lot of the touchy-feely men Are not good providers They're so (laughs) wishy-washy That they can't Help you with everything
1: Okay You know what You You gotta help me out What are touchy-feely men?
0: One of my my chat people is in there saying men suffer physically more because they keep things in. Um, But I'm sorry. You know, I'm a doctor, and I want you to let things out, and I want you to be healthy. But if you're letting things out, you better be able to take care of business. Yeah, but look, what do you mean by touchy-feely men? What What is a touchy-feely man? Oh, I don't even know. But I, I I call them the yoga types. You know, I love a guy who does yoga and is in touch with his feeling, but when he steps out of that yoga class, he better be able to just.
1: Okay, I got you. You, you know. better have that swagger. Yeah, You know, <laughs> it's 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 funny because, you know, a friend of mine, I was talking to him the other day, a female friend of mine I went to college with, she was telling me she, met the, she got the perfect guy. The perfect guy, but she can't stand him. I was like, you know, you don't know what the hell you want. This guy, he's an attorney he makes good money, he has one kid, he doesn't have any child support. He, I mean, this dude sends her catered lunch, not only for her, but the people she worked with at her job. Takes wow. her everywhere. She's like, you know what, what, what it's just like? too much. She said, it's just, it's just too much. I said, well, so you used to a dude asking you to buy him his lunch, <laughs> pick him up and take him to work. I'm like... You know, women say they want they they know what they want, but when they get it, they don't know how to they don't know what to do with it, or I, it becomes too much, just... or they wait for the other shoe to drop. Well, Sometimes I, you, you
2: know get what? what you get.
0: There's a couple things. I think that there is a such thing as too much, um, and and women, I think, yes, we are complicated. You can do too much as a guy. Um, you uh, you know, sending catered lunch to all my friends at work that's a little much, okay.
1: That's big balling right there.
0: Well, I, I, it's just like you're trying too hard. I like you to be nice, but right. be—that's just a little bit over the top.
1: And Is that scary? Like you're not, Is that like stalking? Well, There's
0: it's, 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 well, it's, well, it's, it's two things: one, you're stalking, or two, you're only doing it to look good for other people. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Because right. why would you send it to my job rather than sending me lunch or dinner at my house at night? If you, you know, I am like send me dinner at my house at night so where nobody sees it. See, you know what? <laughs> that would be more special to me, and then I could tell my girlfriend. You know, you know, he sent me dinner at home, but I think when you send it at work, Doctor <laughs> uh, <it, it>, <laughs> V, <me. laughs> well, you know what? It's not too much if it's the right person. Um, it's not too much the right person, but. i What you said. I'm going to, here, we're going to have another caller come on the line and, and let them ask you a question.
1: Yeah, you got away from that one because I'm going to do Dr. You.
0: Veronica. Hi, how are you? You're on Wellness for the Real World. Ask a question to Byron. Hello? Anybody there? No? All right, I'm going to try another one, see if you oh, want to no ask. Problem. I can't get that one. Hello. Okay, well, you, you know, know what? what? Let, let me, let me fill world. in what you, you were saying. Do you want to ask a question to Byron Williams? Okay, they're not asking, so. There's, there's lots I assume, of... Y'all I don't
1: know. have to be shy. Go ahead and there's call there's them and lots ask a question.
0: going on in the chat room. <laughs> no, <all> <laughs> Let's talk, okay, some more about <laughs> relationships, okay? One thing you say about romance, okay? And this is this is something. You talk a lot about romance, and you say romance is only centered on women, Men would like romance, too. they like, oh, bring me a plate of food. I want just clean socks and underwear. Scratch exactly. my back. And you know what? You said men think silence is a peaceful moment, and that's romantic. Yes. Well, let me just tell you this. I think that those things are things that women would like, too. And let me just tell you that. Um, when I I was dating this guy, this is when I was on my way out of my marriage. And one day, this man gave me breakfast in bed. I cried. I cried because wow. he had ne- I had never gotten somebody to bring me breakfast in bed. Now, I've been in hotel rooms where it was ordered, but to have right. somebody make it for me, that was a special moment.
1: That's all okay. right.
0: So I want men to know, I mean, women... Figure out what guys like and do it. But on the other hand, men, I mean, I've gotten chocolate and I've gotten flowers and I get taken out to restaurants. And you know what I think is really sexy?
1: What's that?
0: Taking out the garbage. (laughs) 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 It's just, I think that the point about this is it's the really little things that a lot, some of us like. Um, And and I think that, you know, some of us are divas and want to be spoiled and, you know, want all the financial stuff. But I buy myself flowers. I buy myself chocolate. I can take myself out to dinner. I like when men do these things. It's those little things that are special to me. Exactly. And so, I mean, I don't know how many – there are a lot of women out there saying, huh, you know, well, I don't want that. Well, you I you want know know, the flowers, the chocolate, and spend some money on me. But well, I, I think that the real special things are the things that people take time to do. Yes, I want gifts too. I want gifts too. But people, I want things that people take time for. And I think that what you're saying here, in the things that you want, are the things that take time too. Is that what you think most men want, rather than gifts?
1: Well, you know what, let me let me interject here. You know, for men, romance is totally different from what women want. You know, women were like doors open for them, chairs pulled out, coats put on them, uh, you know, stuff like that. You know, and other things, like I said, breakfast in bed. For us, romance is simple stuff. Like if we're watching the game, bring us a beer, bring the fellas a beer without us asking, you know. And it's, women look at that, well, I'm not your maid, I'm not this. Okay, we're not, we not your butler. But you expect for things to be done for you without without being asked. It's just something, you know, make us look good, make us feel good, make you look good, make you feel good. We want the same things in return, but unfortunately they look at the things that we we want that are romantic as being domestic or being subservient. And it's not even about that. You know, I give you a prime example. I go to my buddy's house, he dates about four or five different women. He gets the same <laughs> treatment out of each woman he get the same treatment out of each woman and he makes sure that when I come by, fix can you please fix my boy a plate? They fix my plate, bring me something to eat, fix his fix his plate, get him something to eat, and then she comes and sit and she eats with us. And I can go to any one of his female friends house with him and I get the same treatment. But see he treats them well too. See that's romantic. I
0: that agree. is romantic. I agree with waiting for each other is is a romantic thing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's not about a matter of being subservient or being bossed around. He can get up and get his own plate. See, it's stuff like that. Okay, you can get up and get your own plate. Okay, well, you can take the garbage out. Yes. Well, you know what? I have some people
0: now that are calling in to ask questions. Now we're getting to the the meat of it first. Right. Hello, Russell. (laughs) How are you? Welcome to Wellness for the Real World. Do you want to ask Byron a question?
3: Well, thank you. Um, yes, Byron,
0: Hey, what's I want to on? ask
3: you a question. Um, I want to – actually, I guess I kind of wanted to say this to both of you. I think you both are just making too much about the difference between men and women. You know, <laughs> I don't think we're really as different as everybody likes to make out we are. Um, I have to tell you, I happen to be a gay man, although I have had relationships with women in the past, too. And I have to tell you, you know, I mean, everybody just wants somebody who makes them feel special, who does special things for them, who just gives them um, somebody who'll be strong when you don't think you can, can. You can be yourself, right then, and and you know, it's not really all that big a deal. I, I think, you know. Just because you're a man, if you're in a relationship with a man, it doesn't mean you understand that guy any better than if he was a woman. <laughs>
1: no, but, you, but you, know, you do understand what you want, though, right? You do understand what? what you want, though, right? You you understand what you want, though, right? You demand your worth. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Brother, if you're in a relationship, you know, if it's, it's a man, if there's two men in a relationship, two women or a man yeah. and at the end of the day, you want your worth. You want yeah. your work. Well,
0: I got to well, tell you that look, I'm just both of you on the phone right now. I have a, a gentleman in the chat room say, "Man, please. These women want Gucci bags, diamonds and
1: shoes." And he need to get on here and call, I, I, you know. Yeah.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, well, <laughs> men like expensive gifts too. I'll let you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, everybody I mean, likes nice things. Everybody likes nice things. Well, I mean, but go ahead.
0: I think go ahead, you P. know, women that want uh, Gucci bags, diamonds, and shoes. I, I let let me just. I'm going to make a gross generalization right here. A lot of times, women who want those things exclusively and to nothing else, are a lot of times women that can't don't feel like they necessarily can get it for themselves. Um, so when you can go and buy Gucci diamond shoes and stuff for yourself. I mean, it's nice if a guy offers to do it, but it's kind of like, eh, uh, old. Um, and so if you get a woman who uh, can do it for herself or wants to do that for herself, and like I said, I like to be spoiled by men. I think, men, I think it's all an individual thing. I think, I, you know, there are men who like to be spoiled, too. You've got to figure out what different people like. Um, I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of women out there of all races who are gold diggers. There's, you know, Kanye was right. right. There's a lot of women out there who are gold boot diggers. So I feel for a lot of men um, on on that front. And um, but on the other hand, there are a lot of people, a lot of men, who, when you don't use them for the financial things they can give you, have no idea what to do.
1: Right. Right. Okay. That is so true. So, I've, I've seen that happen I'm just a lot. Fine.
0: Yes, a lot of times men, if you don't need them financially, they feel useless and they don't know what to do. And so, let me just say, as a professional woman, I run into that kind of thing a lot. Because if men feel like I can't write a check all the time and you're going to keep me because you need to write the check, why would you keep me? Um, and so that's like an interesting thing that's going on um, in in our in our culture right now. So there's you a know whole, what definitely, um, and I'm sure when, in your when you Byron, especially when you were in the um, you know, the circuit of the entertainers. I mean, right. I, this this woman who was loving on Eminem, I mean, what do you love besides the lifestyle?
1: You see what I'm saying? Right. It just comes down to, you know, a lot of these guys are, adjust. they have adjusted to the uh, the treatment. That's the only type of women that they used to meet, and they have the money to spend. And those young guys that are always spending that money end up being the sugar daddies. At the end of the day, they don't end up with anything but their account and the negative. And they can brag about how they spent this, they spent that. Really, what they do, they put themselves in a position where they become a trick. You know, I hate to say it, you know, when you're spending all this money on these women just to, to get sex or to get her attention, I'm sorry, in, in my book, you a trick. Because when I was out there and I was dating before I got married, I had a, I had a theory. I wasn't spending no money. I had a theory. I was not spending any money, and the dates went as follows. We would do a date based on $10. $10. Dollar show rallies, and if you if you went past that and you did good, you might get a loss, brothers. <laughs> oh, Top of the line, after that, if we got to the third day, you might get Red Lobster. Okay? Oh if you got God. past Red Lobster... Okay, so
0: God, when you send me a guy, send me a guy that's a little bit more generous than that, please?
1: No, but you know what, though? It's it's a screening process. People don't screen people anymore. But yeah, but I'm telling you... You can't, you uh, can't just wait, jump wait, out wait, there with wait, your, wait. your wallet. These guys jumping out there with their pants down and they wallet out. Whatever you want, baby. You can't
0: do that. you got to swing on these people. I have another caller coming in. Um, Joshua called back in. We were talking hot. I want to hear what Joshua has to say again.
2: Joshua, what's Hello. going on? Hello, am I on? Yes. Okay. I actually had two questions, and they might be a little premature for the uh, conversation since you guys are a little bit more experienced. I'm only 22. So my first question, uh, I grew up in a hood, and I know there's a lot of women uh, in black society, uh, probably in Latino society or other minority communities, that want men who are like thugs and all of the above, but they claim they want a good guy. And so I had a lot of problems approaching women in those communities who uh, you know, who said they were looking for something, but uh, went after you know, someone who basically treated them the direct opposite. Uh, so what do you have in terms of that? And then my second question is uh, I also went to a school where a lot of the women, uh, and I'm talking about college, a lot of the women, they had not even kissed a guy before. And so uh, I just want to know what advice did you have for that so I can pass on uh, to some of the guys that are still at that school because they have problems, uh you know, sort of communicating with those type of females.
1: Well, Dr. V, can I can I get this one? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay, because I know you're going, I know you got something waiting. All right, look, man, this is what I see. If, if you try to date a girl that's used to thugs and the roughnecks, honestly, man, that's not the girl that you want. That's not the girl that you want. And every woman doesn't want a thug or a roughneck, but some women do, they want to feel safe. Women want to feel protected, they want to feel safe. They want a gentleman with a bit of a secure edge, a rough edge, or a swagger. I'm not talking about being a wannabe, but they want to be able to feel secure. Some women find themselves being secure with a guy that's big in stature. You know, some women find themselves being secure with a guy who might have a little bit of a dirty past, but he's he's changed his ways. You know, but far as, like, conforming yourself to be a thug, to get some girl, man, make her step up to your level don't step down. I don't care how big her booty is or how good she looks, because at the end of the day, if that's what she likes, she's going to go out with the dude that slap her upside the head the best. Okay? You don't even want that, man. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. And <laughs> as, far as, the girls that, as far as the girls that's at college, a, a lot of girls, yeah. honestly, think about this. A lot of girls that are at college that never kissed a guy before or a virgin, either one or two things, they come from great, Come from great background, family structure, okay, and they're focused. Trust me, man, you're not gonna get them. It's not that you can't get them. <laughs> Leave them, them alone, man. Well,
2: oh, that's wasting not your time. Them.
1: That's no, not no, no, wait, a minute. no. Let me. I'm not finished. That's just one. That's just one. Leave them alone <laughs> because they're they're running they're running the show. There's nothing you can say or do to get next to them physically until they're ready for you to get next to them. The other ones, most of these girls, can be very strong Christians. So both of the comments that I'm making are very positive. Either they're very fo- mm-hmm. focused and family-oriented, and the other one is very Christian-like. If you're trying to get, forgive me for saying, that, if you're trying to get an easy hit, dude, that's not the way to go. It's not gonna happen because some girls are focused. Those women are good wife material later on down the road. Not saying that if you sleep with a girl in college that don't mean she's not good wife material. But I'm telling, I'm telling from what I know. I think I spent my whole freshman year dealing with those type of girls, and it took me to my sophomore year to find out, okay, you know what, these young ladies I'm just going to be cool with because they were like Fort Knox. You're not cracking nothing. <laughs> it's just it's not going to happen. They tell you, hey, look, you can keep trying, but it's not going to happen. You know what, I'll respect that. Let me move on. Yes. Well, yes. you
0: know, I want to ask you a few more questions. Thanks a lot, Josh. Um, yep. I want to ask a few more questions. You say about sex, that women are the gatekeepers of sex.
2: Yep. Now, yes, they are.
0: Here's the thing that w- I want you to talk about, sex and marriage and men and a little bit like that, because women, although we're the gatekeepers, I think you talk about women being like Fort Knox. Women need to give it up more, and let me say why.
2: Yes. Say on, my,
0: on my on on my my show, I interviewed a woman on Wellness for the Real World when I was on another webcast. It's called Confessions of a Call Girl, and I interviewed a woman who became a prostitute in her fifties. Now this is not a little sleazy woman, okay? Right. This is a, a woman who was a professional, decided, you know I I was a kind of a fantasy, I do it. And she talked about how liberating it was and all that other type of stuff. And, and some of you can't get into that, but to each right. his own. But let me tell you, I said, well, well, who's your clientele? Are they single? Are they married? What are they? Fifty-fifty. Half of the men are single, yep. half of the men are married. Yep. Now why do I bring this up? Because This gets to two things that are going on in relationships that you talk about. One is sex, and the other is romance, okay? One, there were the men that their wives just didn't want to have sex, and they wouldn't have sex. You know, women's live came along. Now wives think like they don't have to do anything, all right? And even though men need sex, I don't have to do it, and they're... not, not only do I have, don't have to do it, you're supposed to stay faithful to me even though you're, I'm depriving you, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> but the other thing is a lot of men want romance. And so she talked about guys who would come and just want her to do things like take showers with them or rub their back or spoon or something like that. So one thing that, you know, you talk about women being the gatekeeper, uh, but you also, on the other hand, talk about men and cuddling and snuggling and saying, you know, cuddling, snuggling is sex without the clothes. What? There, this is a confusing message to us. What do men want? Do men want romance? And when I consider cuddling and snuggling romance, can we have romance without sex?
1: Yes. Yes. But you got to there's it's some rules to spoon it, fellas. It's some, rules, it's some rules to spoon it. And I've learned this the hard way. Women, you got to understand, Anytime you take that nice, voluptuous round butt and press it up against us, we have no control what goes on in other regions of our body. Even though we're thinking we're just going to spoon, Byron, you're just going to spoon, this is just spooning, the message is not traveling below. So now the woman thinks, oh, all you want is sex. No, that's not the case. I want to lay here with you and spoon, but he is not getting the message, he being the other part of you. The, the key to that is, when you go to Spoon, just let the lady rest her her butt on your thigh. You, you can't come all the way up, okay? Just, just let her, you got to rest the butt on the thigh, perfect. the knee area. Ah, ah, I, I, you know, that way it's no problem.
0: No, but I see, don't
1: think it's no problem still, but okay. No, but see, y'all like, to, y'all like to back it all up, get all up in there. And see, you know, come on. <laughs> I know y'all trying to stay warm. And we're trying to stay focused, okay? That warm and that focus ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to mix. But even though we're thinking, okay, I'm just going to lay here. I'm We're just going to spoon. We're just going to hold. That's, that's what we start off thinking. But then our body takes over. And that's only natural. That don't mean we have a one-track mind. It doesn't mean we're just attracted to our wife or to our girlfriend or to our fiance. That's all it means. It really is a compliment to you. Anytime you see that man protruding outward or upward or to the left or whatever it may be, that's a compliment to you, ladies.
2: Don't take it personal.
1: Don't take it personal.
2: Yeah, I mean,
0: now let me just say, you know, I've been talking here to Byron Williams. He is the best-selling author of Shady Business. He's the former bodyguard at Eminem. He has a new book, Womanizer, The Uncomfortable Truth About Men and Marriage. He's also in the process of another one. This is a prolific author, The Art of Success, you can find Byron Williams on byronwilliams.org. I just want to say um, we're, we're, we're winding down. We're in the last couple minutes of the show. Why do I talk about things like sex and what, all this? Because if we have a bad relationship, it affects our body. So when I was an eye surgeon, you'd think, doctor, you're an eye surgeon. You don't deal with any of those things. Do you know how many people came into my office and I knew all about their marriages, their affairs, wow. their everything? Because, and they were sick, okay? When you're under stress, do you know stress increases your blood sugar, which can lead to things like diabetes? Do you understand that stress increases your heart rate and increases your blood pressure? And so the reason why I want to talk about these things, and we need to get them out so that men and women start talking and understanding each other more, because when we have good relationships, then we're going to have healthy bodies. Right. And so... What we need to do is understand, and I think that men and women, I agree with Russell, men and women aren't as different as we think that they are. People are people. There are some things that men are taught to do because of the culture and women are taught to do because of the culture. But people are people, and everybody has to assess their partner, and they have to talk. And I'm going to thank Byron Williams, and welcome, everybody. I love Blog Talk Radio. This has been a fun discussion. Tomorrow... We are having a show called Skinny People Shut Up, The Obesity Debate. So if you want to talk about fat people and why we can't say that they're fat and why we can't use the word obese, I want to tell you to call into the show. It's tomorrow from 7 to 9 p.m. I'm doing it in the evening. My shows are going to be all over the place so that all kinds of people can participate. But, Byron, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, Byron. Thank you for
1: having me. Thank you so much. This is Wellness
0: for the Real World with Dr. Veronica. So happy to be here on Blog Talk Radio. Please call in. I love you all. I love to talk to people. Thank you to all you people who are in the chat room. (laughs) Wellness for the Real World.
2: Blog Talk Radio.